0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another recap race analysis here on the Cycling Dane Extra Channel, or if you're listening to the Cycling Dane podcast. And today was stage 15, another mountainous affair. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Gregor himself, Ewan Wilson. And yeah, Ewan, what happened on this quite dramatic day?
1: Stage 15 from Liger to Saint Gervais Mont Blanc offered a final summit finish of the week, actually, a final summit finish in the Alps. In the morning breakaway, there, I mean, it was a fierce battle again in the morning breakaway for 30 or 50 kilometers or so. Nothing was really sticking. There was a battle and a feud to get satellite riders up the road for particularly UAE and Jumbo-Visma, trying to mark each other out. Soler and Van Aert went up the road, Kelderman and Maiko went up the road. It was a mess. However, things got more messy when Nathan van Hoydonk was taken out by a fan taking a photo into the crowd. That took down an awful, awful lot of the peloton, including Sep Curse, including Ekenbadenal, and Binyam Gramai. No one pulled out from the crash which is good news, at least as of the time of recording, but it definitely harmed a lot of teams, and the Peloton sort of sat up, giving a sort of unofficial neutralization, which offered the breakaway the chance to really push on. They gained very quickly five, six minutes, meaning that they were playing for the staged win. Over the de aravi climb, Marc Soler attacked, bringing forward with him, Wout Van Aert and Wout Pauls, as well as Chris Nalance. Over the top of the climb, the descent kicked off. Chris Nalance came down, a cropper in an incident. He took a water bottle from the motorbike on a downhill then crashed strange incident I've never seen anything like it before, but it didn't look good. The downhill finished and at the Col des Amorons, the penultimate climb of the day, while Pauls went for it, while Vernard tried to respond. Marc did for a bit, but Marc eventually kind of sat up. In the end, while Pauls soloed all the way to the end, to the top of the Saint-Gervais-Mont-Blanc climb to raise his hands in the air for a first ever Grand Tour stage win. Surprising for a man as strong as Pauls, who's won a monument in the past, but the Bahrain victorious rider gets their second stage win of this Tour de France. Also another breakaway win for a rider in their 30s. Yes, this week has been filled with writers in their 30s taking stage wins. Take that, Wonder Kids. Talking about you, Carlos Rodriguez, you 22-year-old. Nevertheless, 2nd place on the stage went to Wavanard, 3rd place went to Mathieu Bourgogneau, but the GC battle really had to pop off, and it was between, of course, Pogaccia and Wienergaard. On the lower slopes of the Saint-Germain Blanc climb, Sepcus looked like he was struggling, he pulled back, and it was Adam Yates who took control, isolating Wienergaard and Pogaccia to a group of three. Adam Yates rolled off the front of this group, Pogaccia let the gap go out, with Wienergaard behind. We don't really know what the motive of this was, Carlos Rodriguez soon joined Vingego and Pogaccia, and they sort of rode together for a while with Yates still up the road. Yates bridged up to Soler from the early break. They then worked together as teammates up the road, almost acting as two satellite riders for Pogaccia. Pogaccia eventually attacked, bridged the gap across the other two, and we had a group of three UAE riders, and one Yambo Visma rider in Vingego. This certainly benefited Pogaccia on paper, but Pogaccia couldn't shake Vingo, one last push between those two before the line. Vingo and Pogacic coming across the line together, no gaps once more. Ten seconds still is their gap in the GC fight for the yellow jersey overall at this Tour de France. Adam Yates in the fight for third place gains time on Carlos Rodriguez now to a point where he's only 21 seconds behind Carlos Rodriguez in the battle for the bronze medal of this Tour de France and Jai Hindley is now hemorrhaging time, losing over one minute in the fight for third place. He's now comfortably in fifth, looking like he's probably not going to move up. Kind of locked in in fifth place right now with the golf behind the sixth and a pretty big gap now up to fourth Place. In terms of the lower ranks of GC, Simon Yates moved down a place. Peo Babao actually moved up to seventh place. David Godou moves up into ninth with Guillaume Martin in tenth. Looking towards a King of the Mountains battle. The other important one of the day, Julia Chaconne now takes control of that one despite being tied with Nielsen Paulus in 58 points. However, Jonas Vingo still is up there, only four points behind Ciccone and Paulus, and Pogaccio is 10 points behind the others. So, I mean, Pogaccio Vingo are right in the mix. Giulio Ciccone has to really fight for it. He's actually the first Italian since 2017 to lead the Polkadot standings. That's it. I'm done with the recap. (laughs) I'm done with with the overview. It was a heavy stage, I'll say that.
0: Yeah, it certainly was, Ewan. I mean, we, well, as we've always done, we start with the winner, what Pools, loyal lieutenant of Chris Froome, years gone by. But yeah, big victory for Byron, victorious. They're going for the team classification, Bilbao having a bad day. But yeah, big stage nonetheless. For them, exactly Bahrain. I mean, they sent Landa up in
1: the breakaway with uh, Pauls to begin with. They've been looking good in the breakaways, a bit like they did back in 2021 when we saw that list of riders in in the leading group. I didn't quite pick out Pauls' name. I thought Landa maybe would be the more favoured son, given how strong he's been. I mean, not strong, but he's up there in top 20 in GC. He's been lackluster compared to normal lander, we'll be honest. Pauls was just there. It was a great climb for Pauls. That steep section on the Amaron really suited him. He's a winner of Liege-Bastogne-Liege in the past. And, I mean, taking it to Wauw-Vernandt and to Marc Soler, eventually we know that Soler was uh, maybe acting as a satellite rider for Pogacar, but to, to get rid of Wout Van who we thought was climbing really well in this race, is still uh, quite quite a big feat. And for Wout, Pauls as well, just bolsters up his Palmares because one big thing he
0: was missing was a Grand Tour stage. So really happy for him. Talking about Wout and the breakaway, we saw, as you said, Marc Chaler kind of drop back. But Wout Van crucially didn't drop back to try and help Jonas Bingo. He was ex- exposed um, with three UAE team members riders around him. Seb Kuzo obviously coming down in the crash early on, so probably wasn't feeling great. But Ewan, do you think Wout was just a bit too selfish here and probably should have played the Yombo game, or was it fine in the end because you Jumbo didn't drop any time? Did Wout want second place in the stage, did
1: Walt want to move oh, up why, in the polka though?
0: dots? Why? He's a man who wins stages. He doesn't care about
1: seconds. A man, a man who wins stages is 15 stages into the Tour de France without a win. Oh, really? It's true. It's true. Sorry. Low-hanging fruit. Um, He has a good chance on stage 16 of the TT, but so does Pogacar. I don't really understand. I thought in, when he went away in the early move, I thought that was a perfect, well, Vanat satellite rider attack, the breakaway was big enough where they could gain a big time and Alvinard could sit up and then help Jonas in the end. After Kuss crashed, I thought, brilliant, it's a great opportunity for Alvinard to then be that satellite rider, especially if Kuss is uh, not feeling it today, which we saw Kuss drop earlier than normal. I would have sacrificed the second place in the stage and the the polka dot jersey points. I would have just followed Soledad, because they're both up there in the breakaway, we thought for the same reason at the beginning of the day, to act as satellite riders. I would have just followed Soler's every move. Maybe try to psych him out, and then, Wow it could have been a pretty pivotal character, I thought they were trying to cam 2.0 this.
0: I think we're both a bit bamboozled about his
1: uh, stage today. But if he wins polka dots, I mean, wow, what a brilliant breakaway that was. Decisive in that classmate. Yambu Visma do satellite riders really well. They had a position to use a satellite rider really well here at a, quite a crucial point, especially if Pogacar didn't look quite so comfortable at the final climb, which we'll talk about. I don't think he he looked amazing Pogacar up, up the climb he had the numerical advantage but what if Jonas had the, the the numerical advantage in the end people are saying Jonas looked pretty strong in the finale he almost attacked over the top of Pogacar wow could have been the crucial character
0: yeah they've kind of had this ding dong battle as we spoke about so many times do you think Jonas Mingol was scared today because he did look like he was like you said a bit better but you just didn't want to pull the trigger. This is Jonas Vingegaard. We saw it over the past
1: two stages as well. Just reluctant to attack, reluctant to sort of poke Pogaccio with a stick in case he comes around maybe and overwhelms him with another attack. Jonas is being so defensive in this race. Do they know something we don't about stage 17? I mean, we know that's a stage that will probably suit Jonas better. Are they expecting to sort of turn the Tour de France around on that one stage? Tomorrow's a rest day. I thought maybe if he wants to go for it, today's a good day to go for it to try to attack Pogacar, especially once Pogacar, they were in the final 400 meters. And I thought that Yates and Soler were out of the mix and it was just the two of them together. I thought maybe Jonas would try to really attack over the top and challenge Pogacar, who wasn't quite as electric as we were hoping. He attacked and that elastic didn't break, which is the first time that's happened since maybe the Grande Par weekend where Pogacar's attacked and Jonas has really been astute to it and hasn't let a gap go out. It's that looking around as well all the time up the climb. Jonas is looking and looking and looking. Yes, he doesn't want to be caught out like Pogaccio was caught out yesterday over the top of the climb because he wasn't looking out for for Jonas and by the time he saw Jonas come around it was too late with 100 metres to go into the top of the King of the Mountains point with the bonification seconds. But Jonas he just keeps looking around. He's like if he goes to bed at night, closes his eyes, and you can just see this this white jersey for UAE. So jumping and, and attacking around him and gaining a little bit of a gap. We'll find out after the TT who's got that advantage because 10 seconds is nothing. Maybe if it opens yeah. up, maybe 20 seconds either way. Maybe Pogaccia then has the advantage. Maybe vango has a stronger advantage. It's pretty 50-50 on who's going to gain time in the TT. Maybe that might change things on Kodalala's. But I think Yambo Vismer being a little bit too pragmatic about attacking Pogaccia
0: yeah we don't know we literally don't know and uh, we don't have the radio messages that they were advertising in the crucial moments we spoke about that a lot as well but moving on from the top step of the podium. Looking at that third place, Carlos Rodriguez obviously taking the victory yesterday in an absolutely stunning move by him. And uh, yeah, Ewan, he's looking very strong, but equally Adam Yates is looking very good as well. So it looks like Giant Hidley dropping out of contention to some degree as well. So it will be between, be between Adam Yates and Carlos Rodriguez, but Adam Yates looks stronger. So do you think it could be a 1-3 UAE team member at the podium, potentially, or or 2-3, whatever, in Paris. That's
1: looking like a real possibility for UAE. On these very attritional days, he's been up right up at the four. But so is Rodriguez. But I think in that TT, I know people are saying Rodriguez is a good time trialist. But I'll be honest, I think Yates is good to gain some time there.
0: Ah, uh, Well, to put a perspective with the time trial question, Yates put a minute into him in the Dauphiné time trial. That was 31 kilometers long. So
1: Yeah, but Rodriguez wasn't on top form. He finished ninth overall. And here yeah. we're looking towards a top five but... performance from Rodriguez. Yeah, we'll see.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I I, do think Yates is going to... I've been out of Yates' cap. Team, I, think I will say yeah. you are as well. We're just praying devil's advocate here. Yeah. But in terms... Of, well, also, you Grandes, They desperately want that third place for third year in a row. Well, they desperately want the win, but that's not happening. In terms of the Polkadot jersey, obviously, that's a favorite of ours. Yeah, very heated, as you said, in terms of the action, as you said as well. Chicone leading that by whatever metric that they're using right now to separate him and paulis paulis dropping a lot today who's gonna win that because uh bingo and are very close as well so is it gonna be just one of those where they run out of time and the gc guys are sweep up all the big category uh the mountain sprints and then here we are yet another year where one number one wins wins the polka dot jersey it depends on what happens in stage
1: 17 and stage 20 so much stage 17 offers an all category at code de la with bonus seconds you would imagine the gc guys will try to go for that jumbo visma have like circled that stage in their diary knowing that that's a great stage for you ving to try to flip this tour de france that will probably go to ving pogaccia gaining big points there there's two category ones at the beginning of that day that could go to a breakaway. But what if the breakaway formation doesn't quite suit Ciccone at the beginning? In terms of the guys from the break who are up here, so Chicane, Paulus, and Van Art, I think Ciccone and Van Art have the upper hand here, particularly Ciccone, who I think is in a really good position uh, to, to get this. But it does depend so much on how Stage 17 acts because it has the potential to be a real sort of humdinger where Jumbo Visma strangle the peloton controller all day and make sure that they, the peloton lead over the top of, uh, for instance, that category one at the Commodore Oslon after, well, with 100 kilometers to go, there's a very likely possibility that the peloton is still there controlling the race. Then stage 20, similarly, it also depends how close the GC battle is there. Will UAE try to control things for the whole day? There's a lot of Category 2s on that stage. And then at the end, there's a couple Category 1s. So if the GC battle really ignites towards the end and they're fighting for the stage win, then the advantage goes into Pogacar and Vingegaard. court. I can't tell you who of those two guys is going to win it. Maybe Vingegaard. he's already got the advantage right now. So easy to say Vingegaard. But it's pretty up in the air. Chikon is going to have to really hammer it in the breakaways. Lidl-Trek will have to put every single rider they have in the morning breakaway on Stage 17
0: yeah i think you're right uh, he definitely has a mountain to climb literally if he's gonna win no, that pocket no. ch- <laughs> if he's gonna win that pocket jersey and of course as always uh, we are gonna be on the live stream on tuesday we're gonna have the echelon cycling podcast episode 25 over on that channel so check that out on the rest day and of course as always thank you for watching and we will see you around.